Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about SEO, how to get results, how to learn SEO, and any other related questions about SEO. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Cyrus. How are you? Good. Welcome. Thank you for having me to the show. Yeah, yeah, it's a big pleasure because I met your content many times, in most cases in most blog, but in many other recognizable blogs as well. So can you tell more about the experience and background? Yeah, well, I, I worked at Moz for uh, nearly 10 years on and off. I started in, uh, it was one of my first SEO jobs actually in the industry. I was just a consultant. Uh, and I actually worked there three different times. Uh, and I left for the last time in January. So I've been on my own since then. Uh, it was it was a great experience. But with Moz, I got to do uh, a lot of SEO and teach SEO to other people and work with great companies all over the world. And it's I've been very fortunate in my career. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell more about Moz today? Because uh, I remember uh, when uh, we used... In most cases, you know, to, um, to analyze websites, uh, most tools, but today we have competition with HRS and SEMrush. Can you tell uh, which direction most uh, want to cover today to compete with other tools, uh, similar tools? That's that's a great question, and I I can't say too much because I don't I don't work with a company anymore, and I signed a lot of uh, non competes and non disparaging agreements, so I can't say a lot about Moz, but. You know, it definitely. Uh, I think I think Moz's struggles have been very public the last few years. Where mm -hmm. back in 2014, it was the you know the number one uh, SEO website in the world. Everybody used the tools, and over time, Arefs and Semrush uh, really did a good job of innovating and in in a lot of ways exceeding uh, Moz. So right now, Moz has a lot of challenges, and I think they're trying to do uh, today what I think we'll see more tools do in the future is that is instead of just giving data, which most SEOs tools do, trying to tell you exactly what to do with that data. So I think they're they're trying to make some transitions with their tools and try to be more intelligent uh, with what they have. They have some really smart people uh, still working there, Tom Capper, Pete Myers, who I, my friend, Dr. Pete, who I worked with for years, but uh, they are facing some challenges um, mm -hmm. and, they're, and they're not run uh, they're now owned by a corporation, uh, J2 Martech. So it's a big corporation with companies all over the world. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do over the next few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's talk more about SEO. Uh, yeah. Can you tell, uh, according to your experience, I think that uh, you use, in most cases, content marketing, yeah? Uh, yeah. Can you tell can you share how to find the right strategy? Because uh, content marketing is huge and uh, some companies are good with SEO, others can uh, create, I don't know, like video content, social media posts. How to craft this right strategy uh, for companies that want to jump with content marketing? Yeah, well, I think I think the first thing you need to figure out is if SEO is right for you. And that's just basically understanding where your buyers are, and if they're searching online for what you have to sell. Uh, I think my I think my friend uh, Rand Fishkin is a good example. He, he was an SEO, and then he started a new company, Spark Toro, which is audience influence, finding audience marketing. 
there's not a lot of SEO there. And their most successful channels have not been SEO. It's been in social media and newsletters and things like that. So they have not invested a lot of SEO. And you think mm -hmm. Rand Fishkin, of course, but no. So I think the very first step is you have to realize, you have to find out, are people searching for your type of stuff online? For most of us, the answer is yes, uh, but it's not everybody. Uh, and if you do that basic keyword search research and you find out, you can still do your videos, you can still do your podcast like this, you can cross market uh, everything. But I only will work in SEO, so so I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty narrow minded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. I remember when Rand Fishkin told me uh, he is not an SEO specialist anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you look at most of that spark to our traffic, it's coming from social media, it's coming from newsletters, it's coming from podcasts, and SEO is only a little bit like that. So everybody's different. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, if I check out some ratings, the best SEO specialist, Ren Fishkin uh, on the top all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and him and Matt cuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was Matt cuts yeah. <laughs> from. Uh, I don't remember when the last time Matt Katz right. it was like eight years ago. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Um, uh, how to craft the right strategy for companies uh, that have big competitors? For example, I remember uh, when some clients told me, uh, please help me to create a strategy uh, for topics for uh, weight loss. Uh, and analyze the top 10 results we have companies i don't know how much they can cost uh, probably billion dollars and more and how to overcome them how to find the, the right strategy and compete uh, on this trade yeah so that's a really good question uh i i think you have to be realistic about what you're what you're going after i'm in the same position right now with my new company zippy because i'm creating seo content that goes against Moz and ARAFs and SEMrush and everybody else. It's a saturated market. It's very difficult to compete. And we have a brand new website. Uh, so I've been creating topics around our tool works with title tags. So it's a very, mm -hmm. it's a very like weight, it's not as big as weight loss, but it's still a very competitive uh, market. Mm -hmm. And so I think the answer is you have to, you, the obvious answer is you have to become more specific. Weight loss for who? what kind of weight loss, doing what, what's your strategy and get it. So your audience isn't 10 million people, but maybe it's, you know, 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. And so you work, you work your way down the ladder, but also there's a huge opportunity. The more specific you get, the further down and smaller you make your audience, the more topics there are. And you can mm -hmm. just create, you can cover more and more and more topics and link them together. Um, I love the tool uh, Keyword Insights uh, that's that's fairly new, where you just download a huge list of keywords and it'll divide them into topics for you uh, and see what you need to cover um, and then link them together in a certain way. So I think for any size market, even the most competitive terms, you can find somewhere where you fit in. And mm -hmm. it may not be at the top, but you can fit in down here and start to grow. Yeah. Yeah, everybody but... starts somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell more about your tools? Uh, uh, what kind of tools do you want to create? And, uh, you know, it's interesting. For example, uh, I found one client and uh, he's working in the niche crypto, crypto, Bitcoin, uh, uh, 
binary options, forex, and something like this. Yeah. And uh, I analyzed his competitors and found that uh, some simple tools can create uh, good traffic, very good traffic, you know, and it's not competitive. And what we've done for this client, we created uh, many pages. Uh, it's like uh, 32,000 pages. Oh, wow. uh, with tools like converter USD to B2C, USD to Ethereum and something like this. And we used all these combinations and got a, a lot of pages. And uh, uh, for creating content for uh, these pages, we used uh, IE tools, you know, yeah, because I, I don't know how to hire uh, many copywriters to submit content for 32,000 pages. It's a lot. And But uh, IE tools can do this job. Yeah, uh, it takes a lot of time and we got results. Can you tell more about your tools how are you going to compete with big companies i don't know uh, on this niche yeah so my my whole philosophy with zippy was i wanted to create a tool where you had someone like you or me mm -hmm. looking over your shoulder like uh let's what are the most impactful things because we've all had friends that say hey will you take a look at my website and you're like i'll take i'll take a quick look and tell you what i think and you're like mm -hmm. okay you're, you're not, your, your titles are horrible. You have no content. You got to enter like, you know, the, the quick website audit. So I wanted to create a tool that was like me looking over your shoulder to tell you exactly what to do. And I, so I'm taking some of the, uh, the techniques I've learned over the years and I, I'm, mm -hmm. we're trying to attack the things that move the needle the most. And when I talk with friends at agencies and uh, other places like that, usually they say, the fastest thing we can do for our clients is improve their metadata, you know, their title tags, their meta description, and their internal linking. And we can usually mm -hmm. do those within the first month before we tackle anything else. Uh, and that those two things will have a, a, a larger impact on traffic than other things. So those are the first two things we're attacking at Zippy. It's is, uh, your SERP appearance, how you appear, your title tags, things like that. Also internal linking. We have a prototype that we're releasing next month. But I think for a lot of people, I know working for Moz that we had a lot of trouble because people come in, not experts in SEO, and they sign up for a tool and they just get rows and rows of data. And they're like, I don't know what to do with this. I, I just want more traffic. They don't really want to do SEO. They just want more traffic. And the SEO tool isn't a good fit. And so they end up leaving. And we sold all this all the time at Moz. And I know it happens at ARUS, ARAFs. I know it happens at SEMrush. People sign up. They don't want an SEO tool. They just want more traffic. So mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do with Zippy is give you recommendations to actually get more traffic instead of just rows and rows of data. Mm -hmm. Got it. Uh, that means you want to uh, provide some insights how to increase CTR for pages, uh, for example, uh, to analyze existing pages and provide some insights how to increase, uh, to use, I don't know, some uh, powerful words, numbers, brackets, or something like this. Could, could you say? Could you phrase that a different way? Uh, for example, uh, CTR click-through rate. Uh, yep. This, yeah. Uh, the main reason of this tool to uh, increase CTR, yeah, for existing yep. pages. Uh, part of that, yeah. So what we're finding with what we're finding with our title mm -hmm. tag tool is uh, we we find recommendations to improve your title tags. The number one thing that we find is missing keywords in your title tag and we can identify mm -hmm. that at scale across you know thousands or tens of thousands of pages when you're not including important keywords that people are actually searching for uh and we find when you include those keywords in the title uh title tag click to rate can increase like 30 percent uh in mm -hmm. many cases so it's usually one of the biggest wins that we have yeah mm -hmm. you know i remember when um 
we got a client uh, probably uh, five years ago and we cooperated with this client uh, for over three years be uh, before uh, medicine update because <laughs> this update uh, killed all our uh, efforts but uh, during this time for over three years uh, we increased traffic seven times and that was interesting because we uh, how we actually started this cooperation um, he asked us uh, please uh, provide results from month I replied to him, you know, it's hard in, in SEO, it's very hard. Uh, but, you know, when we analyzed his website, we found that many pages uh, had titles written for the sake of having it. No, mm -hmm. nothing special, just keywords. Uh, and we rewrote these titles to use powerful words, numbers, brackets. According to Mosse, if I remember correctly, 36% of uh, you can increase CTR by 36% if you use numbers, uh, yeah. we use them. Uh, if you use brackets, uh, yeah, uh, you can increase by 38%. We use this just average data and yeah, got results for a month or two times. <laughs> he was actually surprised. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I think today if you have positions, you need to think how you can increase traffic. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, it helps to increase your uh, positions because traffic <laughs> is yeah. the final goal. Yeah. Let me let me share something that we just, you know, we kind of found out last week, uh, digging into a lot of our own data and some, looking at some other studies. You know, every every blog that you read says Google's limit for title tags is 600 pixels on desktop. Mm -hmm. And you should keep it below that. And, you know, which is not great advice because that only applies, uh, desktop only applies to 35% of all search traffic. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But what you find people doing is they go right up to 600 pixels. Every time they're right up to 600 pixels. And what we found by looking at our own data, hundreds of thousands of URLs and looking at some of some studies that other people do, you'll actually get more traffic on average if you reduce it down and stay somewhere around 50 pixels, which is closer to um, which is 50 characters, which is closer to 500 pixels. That shorter mm -hmm. titles actually tend to give you a higher click through rate and rank better, weirdly, and get more traffic. And so instead of going up to the 600 pixel limit, we're finding that we want to recommend it even a little shorter because for some reason it works. We don't know if it's psychology or the way Google is ranking things. We don't think it's intentional, but it's interesting when you actually dig into the numbers and you forget 10 years of uh, advice that you've been reading on SEO blogs. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> okay, we have some audience from UK, Nigeria, Poland, Brazil, Cameron. Guys, thanks a lot for taking time for learning from us. And uh, we have the question from John, uh, does it work on all platforms? Yes, uh, it does work on all platforms. We do have some auto publishing that if you wanna do, we can hook you up with Cloudflare or WordPress, but you don't need those things and it does work on all platforms. But I'm not here to plug my tool. We're here to talk about SEO. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay um okay uh i have the last question about uh, uh your tool uh, okay. uh for example uh the last time google uh changed titles for many pages uh yep. and what do you think how uh if we uh, spend time you know to write these titles uh yep. descriptions of course uh google doesn't change a hundred percent times but uh i don't remember the number some uh, studies share thirty uh, percent, other sixty percent, uh, probably uh, daily yeah. data like this. Uh, do we need to write titles and descriptions if Google can change them? And how? What we need to do to uh, 
decrease uh, the ratio of uh, yeah changing titles. Yeah. So you're you were exactly right. Google is rewriting around 60-65% of the titles, mm -hmm. but most of those are only really minor rewrites, like they change a pipe into a dash or something like that. And about 30% of them are actually significant. Um, and those are troublesome because you wrote your title tag and now Google's showing something different. But here's the tricky part. Just because Google rewrote your title tag doesn't mean they aren't using your original title tag for ranking purposes. Mm -hmm. So you could go through and rewrite all your Google titles to match what Google uh, has and your rankings can go down because you've taken words out of your title tag. So it gets a little tricky. Uh, one lesson that we have found is that it's very common for if you're, it's very common for Google to remove your brand name. Every website puts their mm -hmm. brand name at the end of their title tag. And sometimes it's not relevant at all. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a minor brand. It's a, I worked for one, I worked for one company early in my career. They had a brand name that was 22 characters long and it was irrelevant to everything and they tacked it on. When we removed their brand name, traffic went up 20% across the entire site. Mm -hmm. And so that's one place that I do listen to Google. If they remove the brand name, it probably means it's there's a good chance it's not relevant to what people are searching for. So everybody's an ego, everybody wants to put their brand at the end of the title tag, but sometimes it doesn't help. Uh, so either have a keyword relevant brand name or something that helps get click-throughs, uh, but just putting your business name isn't a default strategy that you should always take. Also, I my final word on this is when Google does rewrite your title tag, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a rule that you have to rewrite it, but it is a hint. It's something that you should pay attention to and think, ah, maybe I should take a look at this one. Yeah, got it. I think it depends on uh, brand recognition as well. You know, yeah. if uh, Amazon can use, and you know, uh, many SEOs just copy uh, big brands, you know, to analyze, okay, Amazon uses, that means I need to use my brand name as well. But yeah. if, if it's not the same stroke recognition, even close to that, it's better to avoid. <laughs> Yeah, and in this case, we found like uh, Moz rarely got removed because it's very short. It's only three letters, and people recognize it, so it it helps. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I check out the study. Yeah, uh, Moz, uh, uh, yeah, took away uh, the brand name, and uh, the traffic uh, decreased. But when they took away Whiteboard Friday, uh, yeah. Yeah, traffic increase. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, and we think Whiteboard Friday is this huge brand that everybody recognizes, but when we took it away, traffic went up a lot. So, <laughs> and, and the user can still see Whiteboard Friday when they click in. It's all good. Yeah, I'm still watching. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's talk about SEO. Uh, how to start learning SEO today when we have a lot of blogs, uh, tutorials, courses, uh, your way, uh, according to your experience, where to start? That That's a really good question. So I think I think so many places, if you're just, just starting and you're wondering if SEO is right for you, I think most of the, most of the major blogs have pretty good learning resources these days, mm -hmm. whether it's you know, the Moz Beginner Guide or SEMrush has some some free learning resources or uh, my friend Kate Toon in Australia. There's a lot of good introductory uh, mm -hmm. resources to learn SEO. If you want more advanced training, uh, I think there are some courses out there that are paid. There are a few hundred dollars that I think you can get pretty advanced training uh, adequately. I like... Uh, 
Siege Media. They have a content marketing class that I think is worth thousands of dollars. Um, uh, you can get it. Oh, Brian Dean, Backlinko. I, I, you've heard mm -hmm. of Backlinko. He does a very particular type of content marketing. They were bought. He was bought by Semrush, and they're making his content marketing course free now. So I think that's a very good one. Uh, with the caveat, it only teaches you one kind of SEO content marketing. It's very, I'm not going to say limited, but there are many more ways to do it than, than Backlinko. Um, and for affiliate marketing, uh, my friend Matt Diggity, uh, I think he offers a great affiliate marketing class. So there's a lot of options from free to paid, but mostly everybody says start your own site and, you know, do it that way. And that's, that's, I, you know, even as a practicing SEO, I have to do it on my, my site. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got to do it right now. So uh, I think even experienced SEOs struggle with doing it for their own content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's the best it. way. Okay. Uh, if someone uh, took the course, uh, spent time, uh, got, uh, I don't know, uh, good mark after the course, and uh, how to master these uh, skills, how to improve them, uh, which way to go? Yeah. So I, I, I think everybody gets stuck, and this is what I, I see a lot where people fail, is they create some content, and they want they create one piece of content and they expect it to rank highly in the SERP. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the content and you're like, no, this does not deserve to rank number one in the SERP. You need to, if, if these are the keywords you're targeting, I want you to Google the keyword and look at the top three results and tell me how to make your content better than these three results because people don't do that. The second mistake people make is they only create that one piece of content, but like we were talking about with your your weight loss friend and, and with that site where you created 32,000 pieces of content, you have to do it over and over and over again. You have to you have to create content around a topic. So you're creating 10, 15, 20 articles that cover something comprehensively mm -hmm. and learn how to interlink them and answer as many questions as you can for your users. And that doesn't mean you have to create 20 articles for every topic, but the, the repetition of becoming an authority on a subject and doing it over and over and over again, that's how you create mastery in SEO. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, can you tell more about uh, learning user intent? For example, uh, you mentioned that you don't need to create long articles, probably. Yep. I think if uh, people don't need, you know, to create right. the long articles about, I don't know, the age of Elon Musk, yeah. I don't need to know his biography or something like this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How to learn this user intent according to your experience? Because, uh, uh, of course, we can use some metrics from uh, SEMrush, you know, to analyze. It's infor informal, I don't know, or something like this. Yeah. But uh, manually, how to do it? Yeah. So I personally, I like to cover, I do like to cover as much intent as I possibly can. Uh, comp I like to. That's a bad phrase. I, I just like to carpet bomb the entire keyword intent and uh, cover every single topic I can. And I don't have to place all those prominently. But you're asking about user intent to a certain extent. Mm -hmm, yeah. And I, I think that's so important. And I don't think it's quite what you're asking. But I think it's the ranking factor that a lot of people don't pay attention to. Uh, and I wrote a big article on this a couple of years ago. And Google does not like to talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, but every other search engine talks about it, but Google doesn't want to talk about it because they don't want people to manipulate it. Uh, but it's 
there's a high degree of evidence that Google will rank websites based on click behavior. Are they, mm -hmm. when they see the result in search results, are they clicking on it? Are they staying on your web page, you know, longer than average? And are they going back to search results to pick another result? If they, if they do that, your result may not be that good and you may not rank as high next time. Uh, Google has several patents covering this, this topic. So I think the idea of user intent, I know this wasn't what you're asking, but getting them to their site and making sure they are satisfied with the answers that you are giving them. And sometimes mm -hmm. covering different topics and having different answers and linking out to different pages improves uh, user satisfaction. And mm -hmm. even if they didn't come looking for that information, they may come looking for it. They may say, oh, I, I didn't know I was interested in that. So in general, my experience is the more questions you can answer, the longer you can keep your visitor on your website, the better you'll do in uh, rankings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And well, I do that by trying to answer as many questions as possible. Yeah, got it, got it. Uh, okay, uh, let's talk about the structure. For example, uh, I know uh, when someone uh, wrote a big article with many points, highlights, but in most cases, people open pages and leave it for a few seconds, you know, yeah, yeah for a moment. How to uh, retain uh, their attention uh, and, uh, yeah, to share, uh, I don't know, some points to keep reading this article? Yeah, so I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily if they just... Mm -hmm get the answer and they leave as long as they have the answer. Uh, and that's the important part, as long as they're not going back to Google to look at another thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I, there's a lot of strategies. One of the basic, basic, most simplest things that you can do to keep people engaged is to link to more stuff, uh, link to other pages on your website, link to other outside your website if you have to as long as they don't go back, but they go forward uh, in a certain direction making information easy to find is I, I think very helpful. Uh, I hate, I, I'm sure like you, I hate going to a page and streaming and streaming and I can't find the answer that I'm looking for. Uh, visuals, uh, you know, people think that the links that you put on your sidebar are throwaways, but mm -hmm. you know, more and more often we find if you make those relevant, and you put them towards the top of your page where people can see them instead of the bottom of the article, uh, that they get higher engagement, that mm -hmm. you can keep people on your site longer by, because you're showing them the most relevant content. And we, we experimented with this at Moz. Uh, at the end of every blog post, we would have related links, right? Mm -hmm. So what we did is we moved them to the top of the post. And as soon as we did that, traffic went up uh, across the board, not, not to the pages we linked to, but mm -hmm. to the pages where we had the links because mm -hmm. people were engaging with those pages more and finding the answers to their question. So it, it's an interesting thing. So the number one thing you can do is just link to more resources that answer your question. Become a resource for the user uh, in as many ways as possible. Yeah, good. Yeah. You know, you know uh, I need to share this advice with one of my clients because he told me i don't want to lose weight uh of these pages <laughs> i replied to him you know it's obsolete today you can't lose anything just to be just force i don't know people need to believe to your content to understand mm -hmm. that uh, it's reliable yeah 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 uh, i'll share i'll share this video with him <laughs> cool 
<laughs> okay, uh, can you tell, um, you know, I have another issue uh, about uh, finding uh, copywriters or writers who will uh, mm. write content because uh, even big companies, uh, they uh, when they spend all, all their time to develop products, to improve it, and then I told them you need to write content to create high quality content, they, they have no experience with that and they ask me what I need to do to go to Upwork or any other platforms to find them. It's hard. It's really hard to find good copywriters who know your topic. Can you tell, uh, according to your experience, how to do it? Yeah. So I, I've worked with a lot of companies in this process, and there's basically two ways that people do it. If you have a very high budget, which most mm -hmm. people don't, uh, you you hire actual experts. You hire you hire doctors and and experts, in, you know, reporters who are experts in uh, cryptocurrency or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the that's the five percent for people who can really afford it, and they do really well. What we find most people doing, uh, if you want to be successful at it, is you hire writers on Upwork or whatever, uh, because that's who are available and. The challenge for us, the SEO, is to give them a very detailed content brief um, mm -hmm. or find some way to do it programmatically. And we've seen so many companies in the last few years sprout up around this idea of content brief, uh, content harmony, uh, market news, clear scope. Uh, there's others out there because it's such a big challenge is writing detailed content briefs uh, for your writers that they can follow and fill in the gaps and do a little bit of their own research mm -hmm. if they're any good. Um, the problem with that is that the SEO team is doing all the research for the content brief and it's, it ends up, you're just copying other sites. So there's, a, there's sometimes a lack of originality. So the challenge is finding a way to make your content stand out uh, within that content brief, whether it's a new tool, a new widget, uh, graphics are an easy way. If you can just hire a designer to include some graphics that nobody else has, but something to make your content unique while using that content brief process is a scalable way, way to do it mm -hmm. yeah yeah by the way uh, about uh, creating a content plan or structure of the articles you know i don't like to limit writers yeah. uh, because i'm not expert how i can tell to an expert uh, you need to use this structure it's probably people don't need it because you found that, that these keywords uh, on ahrefs or any other tools yeah, now. yeah. So it's better not to limit them. <laughs> yeah, if you find if you have some good writers, it's it's a really good thing to do. I yeah, I, yeah. I like to structure because uh, I want them to cover specific headings mm -hmm. and things like that. But both approaches are valid. Yeah, got it. Okay, uh, can you share uh, more insights about the parameter it? Uh, how do you think it impacts results today? I'm sorry. What was the question? Uh, expertise, authority, trust. Parameter it. It. Yes. Yeah. So it's weird because I think Google has always rewarded eat to a certain extent. They just didn't call it that, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, they certainly always valued um, authority, trust, uh, topical expertise, topical authority, or topical page rank, if you've been following. These things are like 15 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think they had a unique problem a few years ago where medical advice was rising to the top of the search results and it was really bad medical advice. Mm -hmm. uh, so they had they had to find a way to put more trust into the algorithm. And uh, that meant that they would only promote sites that had proven expertise. And there seems to be some sort of fact checking going on beside behind the scenes in terms of medical and financial. Uh, and it's 
good because it eliminated a lot of bad results from search results, but it's also bad because now all the search results look exactly the same. And it's hard to find very specific information if you're looking for something medical or financial. A lot of people just search Reddit to get honest advice or honest feedback. Um, but EAT is a thing. But the good news is EAT mostly only applies to certain industries. Uh, cryptocurrency is an area mm -hmm. where you get some EAT in it. Anytime people are spending money or making a health decision is where you'll find uh, EAT. So it's, it's mm -hmm. very it's much more difficult to compete in those niches than it used to be a few years ago. You can still do it. It just takes longer <coughs> to establish your authority. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time. Um, yeah. I probably this uh, update hit my client <laughs> on uh, <laughs> medical uh, because, you know, he, yeah, he uh, saved some money to hire copywriters, you know, to create this content, but these writers, didn't have experience, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with medical, uh, didn't have high education in medical sphere, uh, any experience with that. They just rewrote content. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I a lot of people, it, it's controversial whether Google is looking at authors or not. Uh, I believe they are. And I believe creating, you know, robust author profiles that link out to everything the, the author has done making sure the author is some sort of entity uh, that they have reviews. You're using the person author schema markup, mm -hmm. you know, in the body of your article. Uh, I think those are important signals, but if you don't have that, it's hard to replicate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's talk about in improving uh, the score of this it parameter. Yeah. I mean, like uh, trust, how, how to do it. Yeah, so if you're if you're in one of those niches like financial or medical or mm -hmm. you know any of the, your money or your life, how to improve your eat? Well, one links links is always uh, mm -hmm. a good one because uh, if you look at the high eat sites, they have a lot of established links from you know Wikipedia or medical licensing facilities or New York Times. But sometimes even that isn't enough. I had a client who was cited all over the world. Uh, health journals and everything else like that they just didn't have enough links and you know as soon as uh the medic update hit they took a they took a huge nosedive uh so it's a it's a high bar to jump so links uh those authors a lot of people think you can solve it with author boxes but i think you need more robust uh authorship presence and importantly uh if you want to compete and it kind of sucks you can't say things that are too controversial in those mm -hmm. in those areas if you're writing about cancer google doesn't want to hear advice that contradicts what everybody else says uh so it kind of means you have to create some of the same trustworthy content whatever that means and and sites kind of end up looking the same as a result of that but it's it's very hard to say something controversial and rank uh when you're creating in an eat environment yeah interesting yeah you know you know uh in 2019 uh i was in working with my family and when we came back to ukraine uh i got flu you know and yeah uh and i recovered 45 days and i got it i need to change something in my life because uh if i can't recover from common flu uh for 45 days uh, oh. Take a lot of medicine, you know. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, I decided to change lifestyle to take a cold shower every single day. Ah. And uh, 
three years. I I didn't get any flu and call for three years, you know. Yeah, and uh, if I create content about that, that you don't need to take pills, shakes, or something similar, you know, Google will not recommend <laughs> Yeah. And if you do, if you do create that content, you need to cite it. You need to cite studies. Here's the evidence, blah, blah, blah. It, we're not, and put all the disclaimers on it. You know, this isn't medical advice, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about link building. Uh, okay. Moss has a lot of links. I remember when IHRFs uh, uh, shares some article that it's hard to compete with Moss uh, with uh, the keyword SEO because, uh, uh, the page that ranks uh, with this keyword has, I don't remember, a lot of links, many, many yeah. links, a few thousand links, even more. And uh, how to uh, to find the right strategy? Because we have many different uh, white hat link building strategies. How to find yours? Uh, yeah, so that's a good question. And, and you brought up an interesting example because... Uh, SEO was the word I was always defending at Moz, uh, not only against AREFs, but against Google itself. And I think I think Google owns it right now, which really upset me uh, because I don't think Google should rank number one for SEO. Yeah, yeah. they still do. And Moz ranks number second right now. So that that, that hurts my heart a little bit. Um, and but I think I think there's a little bit of miss misunderstanding about links and a lot of the people I respect and trust in the SEO space think of links like this uh, links will not get you to number one links will get you and this is a theory this is not established SEO fact uh, links can help get you to the first page and but at the bottom of the first page uh, and if you want to get high and, and also being relevant and, and everything like that. Uh, but if you want to move to the top of the first page, you need that, you need to satisfy that user intent, uh, mm -hmm. that we were talking about earlier. Um, but you still need links. Links is an absolute requirement. And so how do you get your first links? That, that's a, sometimes a tough question for me to answer because I don't work very hard at getting links. I'm not much of a link builder myself. I, I have... I have enough social media presence and things like that. I can just publish mm -hmm. my stuff and, and links come in. Uh, I've also done a lot of manual outreach link building in the past. And I think that's, that's that works if you're working it at scale, but mm -hmm. the results are, are iffy. Uh, I think a much more, a, a better response is the hard, hard work of forming relationships Mm -hmm. uh, in whatever industry you're in and using those relationships to build links. Uh, when you, when you work in the health space or the crypto space or any space that you're in, getting to know people in that space and working with them, uh, to get a link here or link there or create something so awesome that it's in their best interest to link to you, whether it's a study, a tool, a new way of doing things, an offer, uh, get free Bitcoin, I don't know, uh, anything that's so cool that they have to link to you. Uh, because if you're begging for links, it's it's not fun. But if you're so awesome that they're giving them to you, that's the way to do it. Yeah, you know, uh, I remember, uh, yeah, um, I read the article, how to get uh, Bitcoin for free, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, it's very popular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, lo I love it. And in my field, I found when we do when we look at what kind of pages build the most links over time, and I've certainly taken advantage of this myself, is that studies and statistics 
uh, are one of the easiest ways to get links. And you don't even have to do the studies yourself. We, I, we usually do do our own studies, but if you just read other studies and collate the data and make it easy to digest, uh, reporters and all sorts of people love linking to those types of pages that make stats about the industry easy to digest. So again, and if, if you're in the crypto space, uh, stats about cryptocurrency, would probably do really well because reporters are always looking for those things. So stats and studies are one of the easiest ways to, they're not always easy to get started, but you can find a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Valuable. Okay. Uh, the last question, your predictions uh, about SEO, it will be die or not. <laughs> yeah. Any predictions? No. So yeah, I, what's funny is, I don't think SEO is going anywhere. Uh, I had some concerns. It seemed like Google was taking more and more of the clicks. You know, you've heard, you might have heard the concept of zero click searches where Google just puts the answer on the page and nobody clicks through. Well, it seems in the last couple of years that they've actually started to pull back a little bit from that. And I think they're worried about regulation uh, from Congress, from governments in the United States about imposing restrictions. And we're actually seeing Google add more links to websites, uh, not taking away uh, so much traffic. So I'm optimistic about the future of SEO, at least for the time being. Uh, I think it's got another, at least another good 10 years before uh, it's dead. Um, and then I don't know what happens after that. Virtual reality. Probably. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to retire. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's evolution. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, it's oh, a thank big you. pleasure. A big pleasure, yeah, for sharing uh, a lot of value with our audience. Yes. Uh, tell people how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, uh, well, I'm on Twitter all the time, uh, Cyrus Shepard, and my website is zippy.com, and you, we have a free trial you can take of the tool, but we're not here about that. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, I just have to ask you, I, I know we talked a little bit before, and this is more of a personal question. How is everything going with uh, everybody you know in Ukraine? Oh, very hard, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I have business in Ukraine. Uh, I have employees there, my friends, families, relatives, yeah. a lot of. Yeah, very hard. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm very no, sorry uh, to hear. I'm very sorry to hear that. It's it's heart wrenching. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm donating a lot of money, my resources to help them because, yeah, we have this issue, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. For me, even it's hard to explain what's going on there, but I think uh, everyone reads news, it's the same. Uh, Russia wanna enslave more people. Um, I think uh, right now the whole world is against uh, Putin. Yeah. He's a monster, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard, uh, I, I know because uh, people call me, write me, I uh, speak with them every single day. Yeah, it's very hard. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hope it's not a. I hope it's not a tough issue to talk about. But uh, just wanted you to know that I was mm -hmm. thinking about it. Breaks yeah. my heart. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for support. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a big pleasure, you know, because uh, Ukrainians get a lot of support today, you know. But uh, Ukrainians fight for freedom because the next targets probably Europe. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Putin can go anywhere. Yeah. He's a very crazy guy. Non-SEO conversation. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks, guys, for watching listening. You can find all links to Cyrus Shepard in the description below. Listen to us on Google, Apple, Spotify, and see you next time.
Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.